This episode of the Porter Notes podcast is brought to you by us. We are still looking for sponsors. Now, I know that if you've seen things from us on the web, you see that it is sponsored by Clark Peterson, and it is. The podcast is sponsored by Clark. The level that Clark has contributed gets his name tied to all of our social media posts. And so, yes, Clark Peterson is a sponsor, a great friend of the podcast. Is he at the level where I should be talking about him? Personally, yeah, he's a great guy, does a great job. But technically, you'll see his sponsorship in print. Anyway, let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Alex, and welcome to another episode of the Porter Notes podcast. Hope everybody is doing well. How are you doing? I'd love to hear from you. How are you doing? Send me an email, send me a text, send me a message. All kinds of ways to get in touch. Now you'll notice something about this episode. It's a lot like the last one in so much as there's not a wrap-up between Lori and I. But I'll let you know, well... (laughs) maybe shouldn't let you know, but Lori's got something up her sleeve and there's going to be an announcement for that coming up pretty soon. We're going to take a couple days as a family and get away and enjoy ourselves. And during that time, Lori is going to be working on this new project. I can't tell you what it is, but it's going to be awesome. When I can tell you what it is, you're going to hear about it all the time and you're going to be so excited for her just as I am. So stay tuned you'll you'll hear about that. This episode is a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine, Mary Mielda, and she is a teacher at the high school in Sauk Prairie, Wisconsin. We talk about her life growing up, becoming a teacher, what she does when she's not teaching, which has been of course we're in the middle of summer right now, so her summer break and a little bit before that she was kind of thrown into this strange limbo that a lot of teachers have been in because of the pandemic. And we talk about kids going back to school. Kind of a controversial topic. Now, mind you, this conversation was recorded a couple of weeks ago, so there's been some changes between then and now. You really should keep in touch with your school district if you have kids who are in school. Now, I know in Wisconsin there's a number of districts that are allowing for full-time virtual study. If you don't want your kids to go into school, physically go into the building, you have that option. You also have the option of doing a hybrid, which is sometime home, sometime in school, that sort of thing. Uh, Teachers, on the other hand, I don't think they have that option. So that's a big thing about this opening the schools back up. Yes, we're looking out for our kids, but we need to be looking out for our teachers too. So we discuss the importance of having face-to-face classroom time. And Mary, she teaches at-risk kids, so she works with kids who really do benefit from that physical time in school. So we have a pretty good conversation about that. 
So listen in, and when it's done, let me know what you think. I'm going to take a minute here just to remind everybody that you can get in touch with me, uh, email and all other ways, as I'd spoken before. Follow us on Facebook, and go to our website, which is porternotes.com. Check out all of the other things that we have going on at that location. It's kind of a hub for all of the different Porter Notes stuff. So um, my comic strip, Vegan Dad, which I haven't done a new one for Vegan Dad in a while, but that's there. And also stuff for Zombie Watch Studios. That's where I record full-time the podcast. And then sometimes I do music things here too. So there's a link to that and a few other things too. And maybe just a little secret thing that's not a link yet, which is an indicator of what Lori's new project is. I, you know, maybe, maybe you'll find it there. I don't know. All right. So give this a listen. When it's all done, I'll just do a little wrap up on my own here. But again, this is my conversation with Mary Mielda. And please stick around after. How is your summer break going? I feel like it's been months long. Um, I feel like uh, the whole shutdown in March felt a little bit like break just from the being home part, although I definitely felt like I worked harder. So, in, in what way? Um, so I work with at-risk kids at the high school level mm-hmm. and trying to help them overcome some of the emotional and mental issues. Mm. Um, with being at home all the time, uh, made it so that I would, I would hear from them sometimes 11, 12 o'clock at night, um, where they just want to make sure someone was there to listen to them if they needed to talk, that kind of thing. Are these, so, are these the kind of students, and you said it's high school level, so are these the kind of students that really benefit from physically going to school every day? Yeah, and actually, they can be ones that are absent a decent number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, however from some of those students that maybe talked about not wanting to be in school while we were in school, uh, several of them had stated like, oh man, I never realized how much I would miss in-person school. So there's been a benefit that way that I think when we do get back in the classroom, I think everybody's going to have a lot more respect and, um, for that opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's probably so. I mean, everybody who thinks that they would be able to fill up their time like, oh, if I retired now, I'd be able to fill up my time or getting a pretty good dose of what that really looks like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been nice. I've had a lot more time with my girls at home. Mm-hmm. I have a nine and a five-year-old. Um, so that has been definitely the biggest benefit of being home. But it also means we are together a lot. Sure. Um, and sometimes they need a break from mom and vice versa or a break from each other. So what do you do for them then for that? Well, my neighbor next door, she and I decided we have kids about the same age. We decided we were going to run our households as one Mm -hmm. so that we would have that support. I live by myself with my girls, Mm -hmm. so I didn't want to have to take them out to the store um, or out in public any more than I had to. So when I needed, they would just go next door. So I've gotten to have like one-on-one fishing trips with the girls because I'll send one over next door or yeah, so that's helped a lot. I imagine it has. So that means that you and I first met 
a little over five years ago because you were pregnant with your second child when I met you. Yes, I was. And yep. And those who will be listening to this podcast, the dear listeners at home, uh, Mary and I had met when I was volunteering my time. I, I, well, I don't mean to make it seem like it was a, it was a labor of love. I did get paid for it. Um, <laughs> when I was working, uh, we did a thing that was called Songwriters Week, and I was asked for um, my, you know, my contributions to be able to help kids. And it was seventh graders, I believe, right? Yes, it was. This was at Jack Young Middle School in Baraboo. I did it a couple of years. The first year that I did it, I was it was really daunting because I had never spent that much time around so many kids, and it, yeah. you know, with the exception of being a kid myself. <laughs> and wow, y- y- how much energy that takes! It's immense. Yeah. It's a full time acting job, is it, what it feels like. You're always having to be on. It, it sure is. And I, I really, I, I, I worked in your class, I think more than any others. Uh, there were yeah. a couple of other teachers that, that I worked with. And, and what I found was interesting, you were in with the kids, but you always maintain this level of discipline in so much as to say that you could be friendly, you guys could have a conversation, but you're still the, you know, the adult in control here in the room. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that was what I got out of it. And, and there were other yeah. teachers who were either like really strict disciplinarians within, within the same seventh grade. Uh, and, and their results with their kids were just a little bit different. Yeah. And I do remember that there was a teacher also who kind of really got in with the kids in terms of like right down to their level and seemed kind of argumentative and, and, maybe, I don't know, from an outsider's appearance, maybe a little too friendly. Yeah. And so how do you do that? How do you, how do you as, a, as a teacher, and now, you know, that was with seventh graders, so now you're with high schoolers. How do you do that to where you can, you can let them know that, hey, I'm a human being and I can have this conversation with you and we can even maybe share a joke or something like that, but don't forget that I'm still the boss. Yeah, it, it's an interesting balancing thing. Um, for me, obviously, like I just finished my 18th year of teaching. I had 17 in Baraboo and my first year now down in Sauk Prairie. Um, and so it was a learning curve. My first year, uh, I started with Chris Zick, another teacher who still is there, sixth grade. Um, and both of us swore nobody learned a darn thing other than us, <laughs> like how to get around the building, that kind of thing. But um, honestly, the middle school when I started, there were so many veteran teachers around us that took us under their wing. Um, and I um, got to team teach with Myrna Wigenot. And that was probably my, my favorite years of teaching um, because she had a similar mentality with the kids. Um, she could talk socially with them, you know, in an appropriate way but then also maintain that respect. And I think a lot of it is when the kids see that you're trying to understand their side and that you do actually care about their home life and the stresses in their lives and things like that. Um, Once they know you have their back, they'll generally buy in and they'll even defend you to other kids if someone else gives you a hard time. So in general, kids are always good. It just is that they're insecure with themselves and need to test the adults in their world because a lot of them 
Uh, and not necessarily back when I was teaching seventh grade, but I found there are a good number of kids that have adults in their lives that they've not been able to rely on or trust. Um, and so coming into a complete stranger on day one, they're not going to buy in right away. So we do a lot of team building. <laughs> how, how did you get into education? Well, I, interestingly, I always wanted to be a criminal investigator. Hmm. Um, I started out in criminal justice at Platteville. And then I started working at um, the daycare on campus mm -hmm. as just a side job to help paying uh, for room and board. And I really liked it. So after a while, I was like, you know, maybe my, my talents should go more towards working with people before they get to that point and maybe <laughs> having an impact up front rather than on the other side. I always joke that I got my background in criminal justice before becoming a teacher, just so I knew how to manage um, I also though come from a family with nine kids. I'm eighth of nine. And so we played school a lot. Mm. And so, and I have three sisters who are teachers as well. So it's kind of in our blood, I guess, to, mm. to be around young people. And for me, the at-risk portion um, was especially important. So my last three years in Baraboo, I was an at-risk teacher at the high school before taking the at-risk position um, in Salt uh, Prairie. So. so what is it about that that appeals to you so much? Just personal experience, mm. things that happened in my, you know, childhood, that kind of thing. And it wasn't like especially traumatizing or anything like mm -hmm. that, but there were moments that made it, it hard, you know, growing up. Um, and so I feel like I have a soft spot for kids that I know are struggling outside of school and want to give them place to land like my teachers did. So. I grew up in Chicago, and similarly, there were a lot of kids that went to school. We were all kind of in the same, you know, we were in the same neighborhood, of course, and we were all in the same financial level, pretty much. So I went to a Catholic grade school, and we wore uniforms. So there wasn't a lot of like, oh, look at his shoes or look at his shirt sort of thing, right. because we all had the same pretty much. Um, and then going from one house to another, as you, you know, gained your friends, as you got a little bit older, there really wasn't much difference. You know, some, some homes had, you know, two parents, but most homes had one among my friends. Right. And so it's, it's pretty interesting to think back now at some of the things that I look at, you know, that I feel for when it comes to any kids that I encounter, you know, the ones that maybe have those challenges, those financial challenges or, or things yeah. like that, that I can easily relate to, to yeah. where I'm like, oh, you know, you just want to be able to say to them, hang in there. Yep. Because that's it not something that's going to, it's not going to keep you down forever. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like there are times that I'll share a not, not too in-depth story with a student that's going through something similar. I remember experiencing, um, and when I, as an adult, can open up, it opens that door for them to then reciprocate and be able to share a little bit more about themselves. So I had a very interesting uh, thing happen to me around the age of 40. When I turned 40, it really had dawned on me at that point because uh, my kids then were entering into their teen years. And I thought to myself at that time, I had gained so much uh, respect for my mom, who was a single mom for most of my life, because yeah. I assumed that when she was that age, that she knew everything because she was the adult. 
And, yeah. and there's a 30 year age difference between myself and my mom. So I was 10. And once I reached that age and realized, wow, you know, she was just kind of making it up as she went along the same way that I am, yeah. you know, and I think that that probably really goes a long way with, with your students. If you're able to say, Hey, you know, as a kid, I did this, or I had this happen or something very similar. Yes. You know, it, 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 it does take you, you know, it, it humanizes you. Yeah. Well, and it also brings me back around if that student's been giving me a hard time and then they open up that something has happened or even if they don't, mm -hmm. it reminds me there's got to be a reason behind it. Like, I don't think I really don't think students are most students. There might be the odd one out, but I don't think students look for reasons to upset teachers. I don't think they look for reasons to be disrespectful. Um, I, I think they look for attention. Um, they maybe feel uncomfortable because they're not understanding, something like that. But just reminding myself that their life is more than just those hours that they're in the building. Sure. And there's so many more layers to them than just that time. So how do you keep yourself from uh, being too human? How do, you keep your, how do you keep your temper under control when you know somebody's just pushing your buttons? Um. That's usually when I rely on the, okay, I think it's time for you to go for a walk to the office. Um, <laughs> I think you and I need a little time away from each other. Um, for me now, the, the space that I work in, we are in um, two rooms. Mm -hmm. So I can just go to the other room if I really need to. And there are three of us that kind of share the responsibility of mothering and fathering the kids in that room. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we call it. We call it the Eagle Academy family. Mm -hmm. So they know that we are in a parenting type role. They, they know, though, that we're also there for them, you know, and I guess that's parenting, too. But yeah, and it's been fun. But yeah, I don't I don't lose my cool too often, which I think is why I don't get a hard time from kids very often mm -hmm. is like. They know when I do lose my temper a bit, and if I have to raise my voice, um, they know that they've overstepped a boundary with me. Sure, sure. So, Are you able to keep it at school? Do you bring these things home with you sometimes? You know, it, it comes home with me. Mm. Um, you know, there are times where a student will text me, like I said, in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. um, and something is going on, a mental health crisis. And then I'm texting the police liaison or trying to figure out what's going on with the scenario. Do I need to call in the police to, to go check on them? Mm -hmm. um, and it's been worse during this whole lockdown. Um, I, I've had to rely on the police liaison in this virtual world a lot more because the kids were really struggling. Um, so that part, that's been hard. Um, what helps now this year is when I was driving to and from Sauk, um, from Baraboo, mm -hmm. I had that 20 minute drive on mm -hmm. the way to school to kind of center myself and prep myself for the day. And then on the way home, I had that 20 minutes to drop it a bit before I, I got home with my girls. Sure. And that was super beneficial because in Baraboo, it was all of a five minute drive. And I drive to one school and I drive to the other school and then we were all frazzled and then it was time for dinner. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, I, I did a lot of audio books, um, when I was driving back and forth. So it was good. That's how I leave it. But I don't, I'm not good at leaving it behind. Are you using any of the uh, tips and tricks uh, in terms of teaching kids on your own daughters? 
uh, yeah, I try it, but my <laughs> kids are my hardest students. If I'm being honest, mm-hmm. um, there are so many times that I've had to say, would you talk to your teacher that way? No. <laughs> well, right now I'm your teacher. So how about you back down a little bit? I lose my cool with my own children more than I do other people's just because I want them to respect the adults that are in their life. Sure. Sure. You don't want to send them, you don't want to have to make excuses for how they are socially. No, no. And they are social. They're very social. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that um, my mom had always said, in terms of my nieces and nephews, and then once I had children of my own, you always want them to be better for other people. And yeah. and I agree with that to an extent. I still would like them to be good to me, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that, that's been the hard part, because my daughter, the older one, gets the same comments I always got as a student that she talks too much Mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing but the way she does it she's she's inclusive of all the other kids so that's that's just her personality and there's this part of me that's like okay she does need to listen better but i also want her to keep that empathetic friendly side because i think that sometimes gets lost because we hammer it out of our kids Mm. now for you Personally, and, you know, of course, right now, this, this, what's happening with the pandemic and, and, you know, previously the lockdown and now people, you know, doing social distancing, um, you, how do you kind of disconnect from the world itself? I, I know that, that, uh, you had run a marathon not too terribly long ago, didn't you? Or was it a triathlon that you were a part of? Uh, I don't do tries. I'm not a swimmer or a biker. <laughs> so it was a marathon then. I run because I can do that at my own pace. No, mm-hmm. it was a half marathon. Okay. I do I do some running. Yeah, I did the Madison Mini Marathon last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done like the Fall 50 up in Door County. Um, I've done Ragnar a number of times with some good friends. So and what is, it, what is it about running? What is it about that particular thing that, that appeals to you? Um, it's my chance to kind of shut out everything around me other Mm -hmm. than kind of the beauty of what I'm seeing when I'm running. I have my music in, um, songs that mean something to me. And then it's just that, that physical ability to get control of my body and to work on controlling my breathing. And, you know, um, sometimes when I'm running, I'll say prayers for every mile for a certain person, you Mm -hmm. know, or something like that. So it kind of is a, a time where I can do something for myself and have that time to let go of all of my other commitments and just focus on, on myself, you know, and, and where I'm at mentally and emotionally and all that good stuff. And after I'm done running, I always feel really good. Uh-huh. So when it's done, and then I usually go to McDonald's to get my diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's obvious physical benefits to to having, you know, that time as far as the exercise is concerned and, and, you know, working the lungs and everything else for that matter. But what more is it that appeals to you for this then in terms of how does this affect you and how do, how do you benefit from that? Um, so that's that's a good one. When I first got into running, it was because a friend of mine wanted to try a half marathon. And I was like, you know what? I haven't really tried that. So I'm I'm going to give it a try. I was a kid that in high school track, mm-hmm. if there was anything more than a mile we had to run, I'd hide behind the whole vault pit with a couple of other athletes. <laughs> so uh, I'm not a natural born runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always a sprinter in track. So long distance wasn't my thing. Um, 
And what I loved about it was I remember the first time I went to Anytime Fitness was where I was training the first time. And uh, I had told someone I was, you know, getting ready for a half marathon. They're like, how many miles do you have to run tonight? And I said, two, because it was the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And they kind of laughed and were like, good luck. And that was kind of my, when someone sarcastically challenges me like that, Mm -hmm. I tend to react. I want to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that was kind of my driving. And I did all of my training um, for that first half marathon on treadmills at Anytime Fitness until the week before the race where we ran a 12-mile run outside. So I was running like 10 miles on a treadmill. Um, outside running is much more beautiful. <laughs> sure, <laughs> way sure. More interesting. Um, so just that, that determination and that showing myself I'm strong mm-hmm. and that I can accomplish something when I really work at it. Um, and also, though, it's the people I've met through running mm-hmm. um, that I'll get together with other people. And then the people that have reached out to me asking me to help them with training. And for me, that, and I think that's the teacher in me too. I really like that feeling of being able to help someone, but then also showing them that I'm human too. And I have really bad running days too, where I, run half a mile and I feel like, you know what, today's just not my day. Mm -hmm. Um, And just recognizing when physically I'm not ready and teaching myself that those days are okay too. They don't have to be seen as a failure, um, but just more of a, today I'm in tune with my body and I know that I can't do this today. Mm -hmm. Well, then how do you overcome those days when, when you know you should be doing it, but you just can't drag yourself out to do it? How do you overcome that? How do you overcome those stumbling blocks of, oh, I should really be doing this, but uh, I want to stay in? Yeah. Quarantine has been tough on that. I've not been doing as much running because I have my girls home Mm -hmm. um, every day during the week. um, And I don't, I don't leave them home alone yet. Um, So that's been tough. And I know I can probably send them to a neighbor, but I think about like, I don't like losing that time with my girls when they are with me. Sure. Um, But, you know, when I'm just mentally not feeling it, I try and choose a different exercise to do Mm -hmm. um, just to not feel so guilty at the end of the night. Sure. Um, And then the next day I try and attack it. And a lot of the times I hold myself accountable. Like I've been a part of different online running groups where Mm -hmm. you share what you did for the day and just seeing other people's stories. And that the running world is so cool because there are people of all shapes, sizes, ages, and everybody is so supportive in the running community. So when you're running Ragnar, your team is doing 200 miles from Madison to Chicago Mm -hmm. um, without a break. And you're running through the middle of the night through places like Beloit and whatnot. But like you come up on someone and if they're passing you, they're encouraging you, like, Hmm. keep going, keep going, you know, and if you're passing them, you're doing the same. And sure. That's what pushes me is just that, that interaction with other people and the accountability. So then when you, when you have these groups, they also operate as support groups. So you can go on and simply say, I just, I'm not feeling it today, or I'm not feeling it this week. And they'll give you the inspiration to, to get back onto it. Yep. Or the permission to take a day off. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay then too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last half marathon I ran, I don't think I had run for a month before it, Mm -hmm. not a single mile. (laughs) And it was one of my best half marathon times. So 
I also work under this misconception that well, maybe I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the, uh, not to bring it back into the realm of teaching, but sort of the not studying before the big test. And still acing it. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't help but, but talk about this, um, considering, again, we've touched on the pandemic and, and kids and school and things like that. Uh, I, I don't know when this is going to be posted. It'll probably be posted because I just finished an interview that'll be posted this weekend. So maybe two weeks from now, maybe next weekend. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. As it stands right now, um, it's, uh, August 1st tomorrow. So that yeah. pretty much gives us about four weeks, uh, here in Wisconsin before school starts. Yeah. And, uh, Sock Prairie has already come out pretty, um, pretty early on, I think, or I've not really kept up on, on most areas, but I know before here in Reedsburg to say that they have a plan for how school is going to go. And, and um, you know, I know that you have mentioned that there are kids who, who really benefit from that time out of their home life and benefit, you know, from the, the routine. Uh, how are you feeling about, about this, you know, this next year and in-person school? How, how, do, how do you feel about it personally? Um, I am so torn both directions. Mm -hmm. Um, like you said, I absolutely know the mental health needs of needing that in-person connection, um, and how much easier it is to get homework done and feel pushed to do their homework mm -hmm. when the teacher is sitting right with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I get it. And some of them go home to families with compromised immune systems, that kind of thing. Right. So. That part, you know, it's hard. It's hard knowing that the kids really need that connection. Um, but then also knowing that it could possibly put lives in danger. Well, that your part, life, your life yeah. specifically. Yes. And well, and, and that of other teachers, um, other students, their families, I, I don't know how I would react. I know how I would react, I guess, in some ways when the first person dies, say, mm -hmm. for example, in a school or when someone's in critical condition or that kind of thing. Um, so it's a little scary. And then you have me who works in one school district and my daughters who go to Baraboo. Sure. So we're bringing germs from two different places. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a little on the fence. I know Sock Prairie has said too, though, that I know Jeff Wright put out a statement just saying, if we're going to do in-person school, the community needs to step up Make sure you're distancing, wear your masks, practice good, you know, behaviors so we can go back to school because we know it's important. Um, but he has in the statement about school starting, I believe I remember reading that it's we're planning on in-person instruction. Families can choose if they want to do an online option is what I'm gathering. Sure. Yep. We are going to have a hybrid model ready just in case. Mm -hmm. And he's anticipating that there will be a good likelihood at some point we're going to end up having to do one of those other two models. Mm -hmm. um, so I think everybody is going into this year and it's really hard too in Wisconsin, you have different districts that are choosing virtual. Sure. And, you know, so that part is hard. Do I wish we would start virtual just to see how it goes? Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to be the, the test, the testing area of like, does this work or not? Mm -hmm. Especially when we're seeing schools in other countries 
having increased numbers and shutting down. Right. Or when you see that the brewers are not playing the Cardinals mm-hmm. tonight because, or this weekend because of COVID and they get tested every other day. Sure. And they get the results almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to have that luxury. So, no. and then you have that problem of will parents continue sending their kids to school sick? Undoubtedly. Of course. You know? Of course. So how many parents have kids that, you know, are sick. Yeah. How many parents have sent a, a kid, you know, doped him up on Tylenol, even though they, they woke up with a fever, had a fever the night before and sent him yeah. off. Oh, I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But, but that being said, I think that it's an unfair comparison to make, uh, in terms of how things went, you know, from March on, because that was really dumped in, in a lot of teachers laps. I, I don't know if, if there was any, cause I don't really have much insight to that, but I, I don't really, I feel like there wasn't a lot of talk beforehand, like this could be happening and this is what we're going to do about it. What was there? No. Um, I don't know that anybody anticipated we go to full on pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was some trust that it was going to just kind of stay a little bit more in, you know, China or wherever sure. mm-hmm. you know, and not necessarily hit us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you remember when Evers came out with the, uh, I don't know what you call it, but when he came out with it, where he said schools are going to be closing, they have to close by that Wednesday. Right. Everybody was planning on Wednesday, so having a couple days to meet with students to kind of prep them for it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, it was, nope, we're closed now. Right. And so for us, school closed right away. We came in that first week. We didn't do any online teaching. We let the kids and families all just kind of adjust to mm-hmm. the new normal. I hate that phrase. The yeah. new situation, I guess we'll call it. Um And so we had those couple of days where we were allowed to get together as a staff then and do some problem solving and talk about what we're going to expect of students during this time Mm -hmm. so that we can be somewhat close to one another as far as how we're handling students. But yeah, it was all of a couple of days that we really had. And I think that the same could be said in terms of, of parents, you know, they, they also were scrambling, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, my son is, uh, he's a senior now this year. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's a little bit different for me. He's, he's pretty self-supportive <laughs> in comparison yeah. to, uh, you know, somebody who has say a five-year-old at home. Right. Um, but I think that, that a lot of, people are looking at those months and saying, well, you know, we can expect more of this kind of, uh, you know, experience or fiasco or whatever term you want to use for it. But I think that it's an unfair comparison. I think that um, if there was some more definitive, this is how we're going to handle it, there could be more definitive preparation for it. Now, with with your kids, it might be just a, a, and kids, I mean, the kids that you teach, it might be just a little bit different um, than it would be for standard academia. And, you know, I, I think that the kids of this next generation have all grown up with some sort of device or screen or phone or something. Yeah. So to be able to learn this way is really nothing new for them. No. Um, I think that we of the transitory generation and people of the older generation who just are not familiar with technology have a really hard time thinking about the fact that these kids really see it as a different kind of tool. So I think that they would really transition well to it 
my son is really far advanced in terms of what his credits are. I think he has to only take like a, you know, a math course and an English course. And really, there's not a lot of call for him to be in school for this, no. for this final year. Yeah. And, and it's not going to be the same social situation anyway. No, no. I'll be shocked if sports actually happen. I know right now WIA said no conference games, but I know districts are having students still practicing already and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be totally different. It's not going to be like your senior year or my senior year was where mm -hmm. it's this glorious time. It's going to be a time of uncertainty and, you know, kids might be able to work a little bit more right? You know, and make money and save money for college. Like there are other benefits sure. um, from them not having to report to school. Um, it opens up where they can work because if they can work during the day and do schoolwork in the evening, mm -hmm. you know, that's just as good. But yeah, it's, it's hard to decide as a parent, my girls will have to go back full time, um, because I'll be going back full time mm -hmm. as of now and their dad is working full time. So, um, that part, you know, my decision was already kind of made. There's sure. not really a better option right now. Um, so in that regard, I'm right there with the parents that are trying to figure out, you know, what to do. Mm -hmm. um, but should my school close and theirs does, um, the decision's pretty easy. You know, I mean, it's it's not that hard to figure out. And that's where I feel bad for other families. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. A really good friend of mine has a daughter who is, oh, goodness, I think she's seven now, seven or eight. And, um, in a, in a, in a totally separate incident, uh, they had a rescue, they had a dog that they had rescued and, and this dog for no real reason had, um, had turned on his brother who was over visiting and it was a really bad situation. And, um, unfortunately the, <clears throat> the trust was gone with the dog and, and, you know, things had to, to happen as far as that's concerned in his family members, but he had said something and he had equated what is happening right now with school with that very incident with his dog. And he said that he is never going to leave things up to the mindset of that could never happen or, you know, right. the worst could never happen. And so he, um, he's fortunate. He, he owns his own business and he's able to work from home and he is fortunate to be able to be home with his daughter. And he and his wife have made the decision that she's going to stay home full time. And there's, there's very little argument in his case against it. There's very right. little argument against it. Um, like you had said, it's, it's not the same experience. She's not going to experience school the same way that, that she had the year before or right. you know, other kids would. And I have a very, you know, you had made a statement that, that you, don't, you don't care for. Um, and the statement that I don't care for is when things get back to normal. Right. I think that that's a, a really false way of looking at things because it's it's never it's it's never going to be entirely the way that it was it could be better but it's never going to be entirely the way that it was and this also means that that it's okay to be dissatisfied with where you are now and i think that there's a lot of really good things about where we are now yes um you had made mention that you you really cherish the opportunity to spend time with your daughters and you don't want to push them off when you can be spending time with them. Right. right. And, and that's, I mean, that's such a great thing because 
gosh, I was really a lot more busy. And, you know, but now that I'm not necessarily as busy, um, I sure do seem to be able to find the time to get a lot of the things done that I always said I would do. Right, right. You know? Yeah, the same. I pulled down wallpaper and painted the living room within the first, I think, week. (laughs) (laughs) So it's things like that. Um, Yeah, it was, it's, I don't think anything, I don't think there ever will be a normal. I I don't think there ever really was a normal. Sure. Um, I think we got in our patterns, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I think there will be some benefits moving forward. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that a better decision is made about school. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to see increased numbers, and I think that's my biggest fear. And I would be okay if they if the schools in the area all decided to go virtual to start the year. Sure. Um, and again, with so many schools having one to one for. Uh, technology. So many um, schools have Chromebooks or some some variation for their students. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their classes are already run mostly online, mm-hmm. um, other than the the upfront instruction from the teacher before they get them going, and then the teacher being able to help them in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part, like you had said, the technology part's not the issue. Right. Um, I did have some students though that live in Baraboo that we're not doing anything. And so I scheduled in-person distance learning sessions with them and man, did they knock it out of the park, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's all they needed was a teacher to say, you can do it and to sit there with them a little. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I'm torn about starting. Like my health is valuable to me. My daughter's health is valuable to me, physical health. um, But I, I do think the mental health side of it is just so important. Will you be wearing a mask? Yeah, we have to. And I would anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that they've mandated it statewide starting tomorrow too. But prior to that, was that something that was optional? Nope. Um, The plan was that students have to wear masks. And I know Baraboo at the school board meeting this past week uh, said the same. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting watching the chat on that virtual school board meeting and the people that were throwing a fit about, well, then my kid's not going to be going fine. They are offering the virtual for that reason. So (laughs) if you can't throw a piece of fabric over your face, then I guess you're making a choice, you know? Um, So I don't know, but yeah. And the kids have to wear them too. Five and up, I think. Mm -hmm. And the thing is my daughters and I have been wearing masks all summer. We went for a bike ride and walk um, down to the square in Baraboo and I made them wear their masks and they were like, why? Well, because we're out on the sidewalks, there are going to be people walking around. Right. Um, And they did it without complaint. And then when we got to the green vine, they said, can we get ice cream? I'm like, absolutely. You guys were awesome about this. So we found a spot away from everybody up on the green and we were able to eat ice cream outside. And so when people say kids can't, won't be able to handle it, it's more the adult mentality sure. being reflected through the kids um, and the, the resistance the adults are providing about the masks. That's where kid resistance will come from sure so than them not being willing to so well and that's that's totally understandable in terms of the fact that you know until you're fully formed which when is that but until you're fully (laughs) formed you definitely reflect all of the things that have influenced you and who influences you more usually at that age than your parents 
Right. So your political views, your views on, on community and other people, even so much for a lot of kids, the music that they like and everything else right. comes from that direct influence of their parent. And if their parent says, this is, you know, this is a crock, then the kids, that's immediately what they imagine as well. Yeah. And we'll get some, I'm sure we'll get some pushback. Um, I feel like we won't get a ton of pushback, um, but and, and in my area, I think the kids will be understanding because one of the women I work with, she's got a husband with compromised immune system mm-hmm. and the kids really love her. And so I think just purely out of respect for not wanting her to take something home, I think they'll be really good about it. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting year of seeing, we're going to see a lot of um, what the parents where the parents stand on a lot of issues this year because sure, sure. <laughs> the kids are going to come in talking about all these issues that are out there right now. And you're going to have a good feel for, okay, this is where you guys all stand. <laughs> so. um, one more quick thing I wanted to touch upon. And um, I don't, you can enlighten me on this. You said that you were teaching in Baraboo for 17 years. Yeah. Okay. When did you, and, and, and were you the person to start this or did, did you, did you uh, inherit this? But when did you get involved with the Indigenous Kids Club that you had going on? So Baraboo had had one and then the teacher left the district. Um, and so that club just got dropped. Hmm. Um, and so when I came in, I had a few students that I had known from the middle school that had good relations with me. Um, and they had just asked, what's the chance we can get this started up? And quite honestly, Destina Warner was a force to be reckoned with. Um, that girl, she had a vision for the club. She took care of figuring out paperwork with her dad. Um, she did a lot of the legwork as far as um, the Ho-Chung side of things goes mm-hmm. with trying to form a club and getting the backing. Um, and then the district was really supportive of it. Uh, we went and spoke to the school board one night to get it recognized as a club. Mm-hmm. And then also we were um, looking to go to the Unity Conference in Arizona. So that's the indigenous, it's an indigenous conference um, that happens once a year or twice a year. Okay. Um, and so we were able to go to Arizona and it was incredible being immersed. Uh, there were very few white people there, mm-hmm. which it was so refreshing in a lot of ways sure um and i felt so welcomed which was great and it was it was kind of cool because at one point destina knows me well enough that she turned to me and said so how does it feel to be the minority for a change and i was like oh i love that you know um so that was it was a great group to be a part of um that population of students we probably had about 30 kids in the club Mm -hmm. um that were all able to come together and then the district was awesome as far as starting up um the Ho-Chunk language class for this mm. coming year. Or maybe it was just this past year they had it was the first year. Um, and Carlisle Greendeer, he came into my room the my last year in Baraboo and did practice sec- sessions, mm-hmm. like did some introductory Ho-Chunk language. So I sat in on that, you know, and learned Ho-Chunk with them. Um, and so then we would practice using those phrases with each other. But that was that was probably one of the more rewarding extra tasks I had taken on. And how long did you do that? Just a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, Because then I, like I said, I ended up heading to SOC. Right. And is it, do you know if somebody's taken that up now? Is it still? Yeah. Sarah Roth. 
mm. um, has taken over that, which I couldn't have picked a better person to take that over. She's she's incredibly intelligent and um, has done a lot with Indigenous studies, and mm-hmm. she's been one to share out resources even prior to this, um, as far as how to help Indigenous students and some of the background there. I'm very impressed by it because uh, when I when I transferred here to Reedsburg, it was my junior year of high school. So where I had gone to high school, which was a public school, um, it was a fairly prestigious public school in so much as it was the only public school in the city of Chicago that you had to test to get into. So oh, wow. even though if you live next door, you're within the district, but they're not required to take you if you don't you know, meet certain academic levels. There were kids of, of, you know, a variety of, of ethnic backgrounds. And when I moved here, this was of course, during the time when they would just openly ask these questions at the beginning of the year. Like, do we have anybody here who has this sort of background, who has that sort of background? And they would, they would check these off and they asked if anybody in the room was, was native American and, and Reedsburg doesn't have the same level of uh, native American students that Baraboo does or, or Wisconsin Dells. So they asked if anybody in the room was Native American, and I, as per normal, I lifted my hand because I am 50%. My father's full-blooded Native American from Ontario, Canada. Kids audibly turned their desks from me when I did this. I mean, like, moved, and you could hear the desks squeak on the floor. And I had not experienced that before. So I, I looked around the room, and... You know, of course, being a new kid, there's stigma with that as well. So these are kids that have known each other since, you know, birth. And uh, so one of the kids next to me said, uh, so do you get those checks? And again, being a new kid, I was I was trying to be funny. And I'm like, well, no, but how can I and where do I sign up for him? You know, that sort of thing. That didn't really go over too well. And I came to to realize that there was a very large uh, prejudice against Native American people in this area, and I was really floored by it. Um, so I'm really impressed that that you were able to give voice to those kids in that school. And you know, maybe it's beneficial because of the fact that there, if you had 30 kids in there, that's a pretty good population of of school kids that are part of that club. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to to here in Reedsburg, but at least it gives them the opportunity to express themselves and to be recognized. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And it it was awesome watching. So like even when I went to the Unity conference, um, I took just the four officers, um, and Ho Chunk helped us out with the funding of that. Um, and a couple of them had been very quiet mm-hmm. in nature. But that that few days that we were together and learning together and I was learning more about where they're coming from. I just saw such a different side and our relationship was so much so different after that. Um, and we still stay connected to some extent now. Um, and then through that, I was able to work with the city and the county on the indigenous people's day that happened this last fall, mm-hmm. um, which they're still planning on. I haven't been involved as much this spring because it's been a little bit crazy. Um, but plan on getting back into that and just having things like that that are a big deal to 
have a day that recognizes our indigenous population in this area. Mm-hmm. And to have that on the courthouse square where there are some inaccurate images right on that building, mm-hmm. you know, but having those, the days of education and just togetherness, the day of the powwow and um, the stands and everything, that was such a great day. The weather wasn't great, but um, it, it was a good day to get together and just celebrate. So. Nice. So what have you got planned for the remainder of your summer? Start getting ready for school now. So I feel like, I feel like that part never stopped, um, hmm. you know, because you still have students checking in periodically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, start prepping, getting myself ready mentally mm-hmm. and uh, getting all the things lined up that I need to get lined up. No more home remodeling projects then? <laughs> no. No, not funny. No, I did a lot of gardening this spring and summer, so that part was was good. So we can pick our vegetables and that kind of thing. That was fun to do with the girls. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no more remodeling. <laughs> you know, saying that you uh, that you still have contact with some of your students. So um, teaching, you know, the duration that you have at this point, you've you've witnessed some kids, you know, go on through education and and become adults, and yeah. um, that's that's got to be a that's got to be a rewarding feeling, isn't it? it? It is. And what's really cool is when some of them reach out to you down the road and, you know, just check in or like express a little bit of gratitude, you know, that, and not that they don't in the moment. Um, the kids I've had, I've really actually enjoyed my years of teaching. Um, but it, it is great to reconnect. I love things like Facebook where I can see former students have gotten married or they're having their own children, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And just letting them know, holy cow, I'm so proud of where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty neat to connect as adults. You didn't think you'd have enough to talk about. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Turns out you did. I guess I did. I guess I did. I'm really glad that you took the time to do this. Well, I'm glad you asked. This was a fun conversation to have. And actually, it's one of those things that the more I talk about teaching, the more excited I get about the school year starting. Well, it was important. It. it was important, especially now, to have this kind of conversation. And I, we all know there's multiple facets to what's happening right now, but it's, it's good to hear that you know, you're willing to... Uh, I think that that there's other educators who 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 take this uh, this stance as well. You know, you're willing to do what it takes that's going to be best for the kids. Yeah. You know, even though sometimes it doesn't necessarily seem like it makes a whole lot of sense to the rest of us. Right. Right. <laughs> and I I hope people go easy on teachers as this school year gets figured out because this is not what any of us figured we signed up for. We're not the ones in control of deciding if we go back or not um and we're doing the best we can in circumstances that are hard on everybody and we're dealing with the stress in our own homes as well you know and so balancing all of that i just hope people are graceful about it (laughs) well mary thank you so much for the time i really appreciate you and i really appreciate you taking the time for this yeah let me know when you want to do music week in sock prairie well you know that was always gary's baby so (laughs) And and um, I was able to do the one year because we had the coffee shop and I could devote however much time I needed to. But then when I actually got a, a real job, like the one that I'm still working today, then I right. couldn't really devote the time to it. And I felt so bad because 
I really, really enjoyed that week. I mean, talk about uh, immediate um, gratification for what you do. I mean, yeah. gosh, those kids well, were Well, you guys got some of our most reluctant readers and writers to actually write and get excited <laughs> about writing. So it was great. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a kid that um, he refused to sing the song. I don't know if it was in your class. I, I, he refused to sing the song himself, so I performed it for him. And it was about his dog named Oreo. Yeah, one of your yep. classes. I believe that was one of my classes. And um, you know how sometimes you can look at a kid and you can kind of figure what they're gonna be like as an adult. I mean, like you're looking at a a, a little version of a maybe an old man sort of thing. Right. He, he kind of had that, you know, like he goes to school, but he's got his farm chores or something. I'm I'm I I don't I'm just supposition as far as the kid is concerned. But I could right. I could see that this was probably the most daring you know daring thing that he probably ever did. Yeah. So that was really a cool situation. They had a lot of fun during that week. And some of the more confident kids were kind of put in check a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting to see that reversal in some ways. Well, anybody who listens to this uh, that may want to get in touch with you, is there a public way in which they can do so if they have any questions for you? Um, Yeah, my email would be fine. Okay. So it's Mjelda, M-J-E-L-D-E-M, at gmail.com. Awesome. And, you know, everybody's pretty respectful as far as the listeners are concerned. I can't imagine that you're going to hear too much terrible things. But, um, (laughs) you know, maybe there's somebody who would like to know, you know, get some insight as to how you did the uh, Indigenous Club or something like that. And that'd be a great way for them to, to get a hold of you. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking the time. And I wish the best uh, in the becoming, coming school year specifically. I hope that things are going to go well. I hope that you're able to stay healthy, and I hope that your family can as well. Thank you. You too. You too. And good luck with your senior and graduation year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's always just one step from me kicking him out of the joint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But remember, you'll be a strong guy down the road. <laughs> There you have it, my conversation with Mary Mielda. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, give me a buzz. If you have any questions for Mary, she was kind enough to leave her email, and I did say on behalf of all of our beloved listeners that you guys will be really cool, and I know that you can be. So pick her brain about some of the things that we've discussed. I think that she's a really great resource for getting kids you know, empowering them and getting them behind you, that sort of thing, and knowing that you're behind them as well. I mean, it's it's really cool stuff. So definitely get in touch with her and, and, uh, and let her know that you heard her right here on the podcast. So as I mentioned earlier, Lori and I are going to take a few days and we're going to a fairly remote cabin with other family members. It should be a really good time. We're coming up on our anniversary. It's going to be, gosh, eight years that we've been married. We've been together a little bit longer than that, but eight years that we have been married. So if she had broken a mirror the day before we got married, then she's been in the clear for about a year now, or if she'd broken a mirror sometime within that first year, she's she's in the clear. So 
one might say that she had broken a mirror getting what she got herself into, but that's personal. But it's been a really strange year, as we all know, and I don't really need to emphasize that too much. I think everybody has been handling the changes as best they can in whatever way they can. There's a change this week, change last week, change the week before, change coming up. I guess that's the thing. There's no stability. And as I had talked about with Mado on an earlier podcast, Mado Moore, that's what life is. Life is change. Everything changes. Things that are here now go away. Things that were here before, they're not here now. So I guess all you can do is just enjoy where you're at at the moment. So there's that, right? We're going to have an upcoming episode that's going to be Lori and I discussing again her upcoming project, which is going to be a lot of fun. Summer is coming to a close here. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, those of you like me who enjoy summer. But keep in mind, though, that not a lot of podcasts keep things going over the summer, and we've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. So a couple of months, you know, that sort of thing. And as winter comes on, then our ability to record more and put more out there, well, that's going to be better for us. So you'll start seeing more product then. If you have any ideas for topics or somebody that you'd like to have us interview, Send me an email or a text if you know me well enough to be able to do that sort of thing. Instant Messenger on Facebook is a great way to do that, too. Also, we're on Instagram. And I'm open to suggestions. So go ahead and do that. That would be a great help. I do have some ideas for things I want to cover this winter. So I'll try and integrate as much as I can. I intend to be pretty well available for doing the podcast over the next nine months, if you can believe it. That's how long winter is in Wisconsin, nine months. I know some of your other places in the world, you have pretty even seasons. You know, you have three months of this one, three months of that one, three months of the other one, three months of the last one, you know, three months of spring, three months of summer, that sort of thing. Here in Wisconsin, we have three months of summer, and then we have nine months of winter. If you don't believe me, ask anybody from Wisconsin, they'll tell you. The band has been busier than I had expected as we were coming into summer, but we are coming to our last, oh gosh, three or four shows. So that's part of what's going to free up my time too, is that music is kind of woodshedding then for the rest of the year for us. We're going to be doing more home projects and recording and things like that. So keep your eyes open. Jaco's got a lot in store for you as well. So pretty brief this week, but... I hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions, get in touch. PorterNotes at gmail.com. Check us out on the web. Make sure that you share this podcast with your friends. Let them know where you can listen to it. We've been really fortunate. There's been a lot of listeners, and that is great. And we'd like to continue to have that grow and thrive. So please let other people know about the Porter Notes podcast. And I'll be back real soon. Take care, everybody.